Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. Today I'm here with Dr. Nick Bitz, who is a naturopathic physician that specializes in Ayurvedic medicine. He is a leading voice in the natural products industry and currently serves as Senior Vice President of Product Development at Neurohacker Collective and their product, their product line Qualia. His area of expertise includes nootropics, anti-aging medicine, biohacking, herbology, nutrition, and dietary supplements. We had a fantastic conversation that you're going to listen to right now around the topic of senolytics and cellular senescence, which I absolutely loved and is obviously a passion of ours here at Young Goose and the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. A few takeaways that you'll take from that this conversation is first and foremost, understanding senescent cells, understanding approaches to eliminate senescent cells, and obviously how we can do it specifically in the skin and in the rest of our body to improve our overall health and appearance. Before we dive into our conversation today, I first want to share a review from our valued biohacking beauty listeners. So this is by a person named Jake saying, I've been listening to this podcast for the past year, and I must say it's been my favorite podcast to listen to. So much knowledge about biohacking, a must listen. So thank you, Jake. If you haven't done so already, we would greatly appreciate it if you could take two seconds out of your day to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Even one word review would be amazing since your rating and reviews greatly help with the growth of this podcast, which helps us educate more people and uh, reach more people and change their life through changing their appearance, changing their health, etc. Okay, now let's get into our conversation with Dr. Nick Pitts. All right, Nick, welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming and I'm super excited to, to have you on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Super excited to be here. Amazing. So this conversation that we're going to have today is one of the things that I'm most interested in, longevity in general, maybe just, I think that's not only me, I think it's one of the most interesting things that a person can engage in. And that is a conversation around senescent cells. So just to, to, to clue people in, I asked to have you on because you're the expert on senescent cells for the brand Neurohacker Collective and their product um, Qualia, which I take. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm, as everyone that listens to this podcast know that I'm a firm believer in, in Qualia products. And so maybe we can start by you telling us a little bit about yourself, like how did you end up being an expert in senescence, treating senescent cells, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So it's been a long time coming. You know, I, I am by training, I'm a naturopathic physician. I specialize in Ayurvedic medicine, which is the traditional form of medicine from India, uh, widely considered the first form of medicine. It's been around for some say 5,000 years. And that really kind of paints how I see the world and how I practice medicine. But I've been in the dietary supplement space now for about two decades um, as a product formulator. 
you know, I've created a lot of products that you can find at Costco and Whole Foods and, and now with the brand called Qualia. And Qualia is a new passion project for me. Uh, they uh, focus on nootropic products and longevity products. So products that enhance brain performance and then products that can uh, support health span and really just support uh, vibrancy and, and wellness overall. So, you know, in, in doing a deep dive into the longevity space, you know, there are some pretty good products out there. You know, when you get into, as an example, collagen, a really fundamental foundational beauty nutrient, I think that's firmly planted in this area of longevity. Um, and I've, I've been, you know, formulating with collagen for, for over a decade, taking collagen for, for many years, diving into the research there, but there's a lot of new research and, and that to me is the most exciting thing. And I think there's a lot of overlap when you get into the longevity space, as well as the beauty space. I think yeah. there's a lot of overlap there that that's really neat. I think that's kind of the sweet spot that we're hopefully going to find today. To be honest with you, I think... You know, in uh, America and marketing as a foreigner, as an immigrant, it's always interesting to me to see how the language really is become a becoming a heuristic language. You know, for the last 20 years, it's not common to hear the word discount rather than the word savings, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And it seems to me that longevity is now really replacing the word anti-aging and even the word anti-aging is has been used to promise uh results that you're going to see tomorrow even though the word anti-aging doesn't actually you know it, it is as vague as longevity right it kind of promises maybe to combat aging but there is no real promise within that that phrase that promises you know to look better tomorrow or to feel better tomorrow so i do think that the point that you're raising, it's kind of a two, there, there are two points there. First, the fact that we should be interested more in our health span, in our longevity, in the way that we're going to function, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now. But the other side of it is what comes, what emotional baggage comes now with the word longevity, anti-aging, whatever that is, and uh, what people expect to get when they are expecting to get more longevity, right? It's a really interesting point. And, and I think that is well put in a lot of ways. You know, I, I I think that the essence is the same, but I think ultimately they have different meanings when you get into anti-aging and longevity and health span. I like to look at the positive side of everything. You know, it's like I'm I'm really focused on enhancing health, not fighting disease. And fundamentally they're the same, but really they're entirely different approaches to everything. And so I think mm -hmm. when you focus on anti-aging versus healthy aging and longevity, there are some similarities there, but I think there's some distinctions that are really important. So I'm glad, I'm glad that the industry as a whole now is evolving away from the anti-aging movement into this uh, kind of wellness movement. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we can, you know, the discussion around the language that we're using and what it means around the habits that, that we are forming in correlation with those with that language is is an important conversation and i think within that we can see a lot of we can see that the the, the industry is really looking for new phrases whether it is a beautiful branding process that for example a place like restore wellness has done with saying hyper wellness i think they did a great job there i agree yeah 
whether it is, you know, phrases like, I saw an ad on Instagram saying, um, root cause medicine, you know, things, really, we are all trying to get to the same root cause, to the same upstream, if you would, David Sinclair used to say a lot of the times, like upstream causes, right? Which is basically, okay, we cannot change everything, but what we can definitely do is make sure that your body, where whatever body part we're talking about, the skin, the you know, your heart, your liver, your muscles, whatever that, your bones, whatever that is, functions in a more youthful state for a longer period of time. Would this be kind of the meta definition you would use? Or how do you view beyond the words? How do you view the general aspiration for for youth and, and the endeavor that we're trying to do there? I, you know, for me, it's just really all about optimizing what you have mm-hmm. and and just living better and, and yeah. putting the emphasis there rather than coming from a place of fear and and trying to push certain things away and suppress this and you know palliate this like can we just focus on the wellness how do we optimize happiness and so yeah. you know it's 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 like if you walk into a dark room you, you generally you don't push away the the darkness you just turn on the light and I find that that now is becoming more and more of the emphasis of a lot of brands and a lot of influencers and a lot of integrative physicians. And, and I, I love it. I mean, you need to be careful, though, because there are a lot of people talking about targeting the root cause and whether or not they do that sometimes can be questionable. Yeah. And I, I, I do want to point that out. So I do think that there is some marketing built into this as well. And we need to be careful because it's a slippery slope. But I do think that that is the direction that all of this conversation should be moving. Yeah, it's interesting. You're right, because what is, I mean, as far as biology, there is no, most of the time, there's no one root cause. You remind me of the, um, of that fad that was present maybe like 10, 15 years ago, when they were talking about the warrior gene, the whatever. And for the most part, unless there is a, a mistake, a mistake and one mistake in a gene or, or one, you know, let's say a rogue gene can, can cause problems. But normally trying to fix a problem through one root cause would be very, very difficult because there are many, many, many root causes and things obviously are imperfect in many different levels as we grow older, as we stray away from our, you know, most viral, viral, virile self. So I I completely agree with you. Yeah. And and it gets into the hallmarks of aging. I mean, Mm -hmm. scientists now are are looking at what actually causes ages and aging. And previously there were, there were nine hallmarks, but just recently there were three more that were added. So now we have 12 hallmarks of aging. And I think this really helps to kind of guide the conversation. These are, as far as we can tell, the primary drivers of the aging process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, so it helps define that. It also helps define the direction of research. So how do we get in there and figure out one of those hallmarks? How do we undercut that hallmark so that then we are treating uh, the root cause in fact? Um, yeah. and, and so I, that's, that's incredible. And, and some of those hallmarks too are uh, of greater emphasis right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just added here in the last month or two, we added, as an example, microbiome disturbances to a hallmark. And so we all know that the microbiome, the, the gut flora is critically important to health and well-being. Um, and yeah. now it's part of that model of aging. It's one of those 12 factors that drives aging. Yeah, it's funny. It's Someone remarked that it's the second hallmark of aging where we blame 
uh, where we blame something that is technically not not our own. One is the microbiome, the second is our mitochondria, right? These are their own separate organisms that are residing within us. Right, yes. Yeah, so, so you know, going in, into that conversation, because we did have a podcast about the hallmarks of aging, and that's a very interesting, few interesting things there. First, that many things that we can do as far as, I'm going to use the word intervention, but really as far as uh, lifestyle will affect many things across the board. So, which is, I'd say that, you know, is really looking at the glass half full because we can, you know, concentrate our efforts on things that would yield, you know, the, the best results and not having to focus on a on hundred different things or, you know, for that matter, 12 different things that will, will move the needle. And the second thing is, as you said, we can really understand what moves the needle, what will get, affect us for, for a long amount of time. And if we can tie it to the hallmarks of aging, great, we, we have something there. If not, it's really smoke and mirrors. If we go back to the conversation about skin aging and the appearance of youth, you know, we can have uh, Botox fillers. We're, we're definitely not telling people to do or not to do them. But what, we, but what we can say is that you are still aging in the background. There is nothing there that affects how you're, the, the functional age of the skin, the biological age of the skin. And, and you probably should be addressing that if you want to look good in 10, 20 years. Yeah. Is it meaningful ultimately? And, and a lot of people are okay with those short-term fixes, which is fine to your point. But is it actually fundamentally creating meaningful and significant change both in the short term and in the long term. And, and I think that's where you need to dig in. And that's where I think the meat of this conversation really is. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, speaking of those pillars, if you would, or the 12 drivers of aging in the body, you know, there are a few that are fascinating to me. One that I feel like we can really further research is that area of senescent cells. So. First of all, let's just start with the fact that it is one of the hallmarks of aging. I mean, accumulation of senescent cells, right? It is, yeah. And I think it's the most buzzworthy right now. Yeah. There's there's a lot of money. There's a lot of interest. There's a lot of conversation around this in particular. I mean, we've all heard about mitochondrial dysfunction. We've heard about telomere attrition. We've heard about these things for years, and I think we've we've rounded out those conversations. But this conversation is just starting to emerge, and I, I yeah. think... What I'm seeing is that the promise and the potential here is crazy big. And that really is what excites me. I don't think it's just a talking point. I don't think it's just mind fodder. I do think it's really interesting because it's going to create some meaningful change, yeah. you know, potentially game-changing results uh, down the line. And, and the nice thing is this is available now. So people can start using some of these tools now to get the benefit that they're looking for. Definitely. And th this is one of those things that, unfortunately, if you're older, if you're, if you're not starting, let's say, at the earlier you start, the better it is for you because the more aggressive you need the intervention to be, there are drawbacks to that. So let's start talking about how would you explain to someone that's new to the conversation what senescent cells are? Yeah, I think it, if you define the word senescence, I, I think it brings a lot of clarity. Um, mm -hmm. Senescence means uh, to grow old. In short, it really stems from a Latin word, and it just means to grow old. And so mm -hmm. we're all going through senescence. We're all growing old. 
But the, the thing that separates cellular senescence is that you're, now we're talking about a specific cell, one cell, and what happens to that cell during the course of its life. And in short, you know, what happens during cell senescence is that the cell has gone through its life cycle and it's expired. Mm-hmm. And so it's stopped dividing. And in most cases, the body will get rid of that. The immune system will get rid of that. It'll pluck it away and get rid of it. Or that cell will spontaneously just blow up, as it were, through a, a process called apoptosis. And that's normal. And, and that's good. And that happens most of the time. Um, however, as we age, the immune system does diminish in function over time. And for whatever reason, these senescent cells tend to just linger in the body. And so these, these lingering, these kind of dead cells that are doing nothing, just taking up dead space, they end up just kind of taking over tissues and they end up just sitting there. And so they change the tissue structure, they t- uh, change the, ch- the tissue function, and they secrete these molecules that just creates this micro environment of inflammation. And so they can really disrupt the physiology um, in every tissue throughout the body. And so, you know, it is important that, that you're doing these things now so that you can prevent the accumulation and these problems uh, due to cellular senescence as you age. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode to chat with you about our Young Goose skincare products and our special offer for podcast listeners only. Our products provide you with skin regenerative therapy that corrects the cellular damage that is accumulated over time and aims to lower the functional age of the skin. If you're a first-time Young Goose customer, we are offering the listeners of this podcast 20% off their first order by using the promo code PODCAST20 during checkout. If you are a longtime user, and have already tried our products, we highly appreciate you coming back, coming back to this podcast and listening to us, and also coming back and using our products. And we would like to offer you 10% off with the promo code PODCAST10. And when we're talking about it, is it something that... so? As far as, as, as what you were saying, these are cells that are basically has finished their reg- regular course of life, and now they are they lost the ability to contribute to the organism, and what's left behind is actually disruption. And, the, and, and, and we have a problem as we grow older to really you know create a cleanup mechanism for those, and it's like a snowball where the more there are, the more they infect other cells. Actually. You know, everyone, everyone who knows about the, everyone who knows the word senescence probably knows that they are called zombie cells because they infect other cells, etc. How did it start actually the name zombie cells? Do you know? You know, I think people just started hearing the mechanism and they immediately mm-hmm. linked it up with this idea that they've read about in books or they may mm-hmm. have seen in movies. But it's, it's an apt title to call a senescent cell a zombie cell because in essence, it's dead. But yeah. it's infecting all the other cells around it and turning those cells into these old, dead, senescent cells. And so it, it's a very apt term. I think it creates some interesting imagery in, in the mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely like to talk about it because I think people get it when you refer to yeah. it as, as that. How about 
different systems in the body? How, do we have systems that are more susceptible to senes- to accumulate senescent cells? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we have 37 trillion cells in the human body mm-hmm. and they all are going through their life cycle and they all are, for the most part, they're going to end in time. There are a couple exceptions to that rule, one of them being neurons in the brain. Those are forever cells that you, you have one set of, you don't repair them, you don't replace them, they just exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, all of your cells and your tissues are going to get replaced at some point, some within a very short window. Um, such as white blood cells or the lining of your GI tract or skin. And then there are some that are much longer, such as muscles or hearts. And so they all are on their own kind of clock, as it were. Mm -hmm. But I would say that we're finding that these senescent cells tend to just build up throughout the entire body. They can literally build up in any tissue in the body. So the liver, the prostate, the brain, the skin, as it were. And I think that we haven't really defined where they tend to accumulate most, I would say that it's, it's, it's different based upon the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that because, you know, when you start giving these senolytic compounds, these compounds that can break down and help eliminate senescent cells, people get different effects. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really contingent on how old you are, uh, your gender, uh, your health propensities, perhaps there's a genetic component as well. Um, Definitely a lifestyle component. So I think the potential is there for every tissue in the body. I don't. I wouldn't say that it predominates in any one tissue over another. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, and you did mention senolytic compounds. So maybe before we understand how we treat it, for someone who's just really entering this conversation, they want to know how it how it looks like. You know, when remember if you if you remember like ten twenty years ago in Europe before they started to print. I mean, like horrific imagery on uh, cigarette boxes. They explained, you know, they maybe showed like a, a black lung or something like that. And, and it, it really, they understood that it worked, that people need Im- imagery in order to drive a point home. So how does senescence look like? Obviously, we can talk about the skin, but maybe other organs as well. Maybe how does it feel like if we have senescence in the brain or in our, in our muscles or how do we experience senescence? Yeah, I think everybody experiences it slightly different, but I will say, you know, it's important to just conceptualize that as you age, senescent cells will accumulate and at the same time, tissue function will decrease slowly over time. And so there definitely is that inverse relationship. We do know that if you insert just a couple senescent cells into a mouse, a normal, healthy, vibrant mouse... Um, you insert those directly into the joint capsule, it tends to spread like wildfire, actually. Mm-hmm. And so those just a couple cells, they tend to really capture the other cells around it. And it just creates, to your point, that snowball effect. And you can very quickly give a mouse joint problems just by inserting a couple cells. So we know that it can spread like wildfire. And we know generally that by the age of 40, 50, people have anywhere between 10 to 30% senescent cells in their tissues. Wow. And again, that can be really anywhere. It really is uh, personalized uh, based upon the person. It's very interesting because in contrast, for example, obviously no one likes to talk about cancer and, and cancerous cells, but 
in contrast, a lot of people, you know, the famous saying that men uh, normally don't die from prostate cancer, but they, everyone dies with prostate cancer. So just to cre- to paint some, some contrast, a few cancerous cells, let's say, you know, wherever that it actually is tissue dependent, but a few cancerous cells in, in your prostate are not going to spread like wildfire. And that process will take, you know, years and decades. So it's very interesting, your point that a few senescent cells can then can then you know, in a short amount of time, uh, affect the whole organism. So that's that's fascinating, and it's also fascinating to to understand that anything that will increase the inflammatory load in the body would not only propagate itself more, but would propagate other things. It's like a shockwave, right? Propagate other things that are obviously pro-aging. So yeah, so let's talk about how do we treat that? How do we address that? Is there a way to address senescent cells? Yeah, I think this is where where the good news comes in. And this is, I think, where it becomes more exciting. Mm-hmm. Again, this is really early days. We're just discovering uh, the potential here and, and what compounds do what in the body. But it really all started in 2015 when they discovered um, a combination of quercetin and desatinib. Um, quercetin is a natural compound found in foods, widely used in the dietary supplement space for uh, allergies and inflammation. And when you combine that with the satinib, which is a cancer drug, that combination uh, was shown to decrease senescent cell load as well as improve function in the body. And so it had really important outcomes, which I think is an important uh, kind of litmus test for is it meaningful? Of course, you can decrease senescent cells, but if it's not functionally felt and you don't increase uh, human performance, really what's the point? And so yeah. this is where that, that whole idea started, that one paper in 2015 of that combination of quercetin and desatinib really just opened the door for this whole field. And basically it opened it to this idea of, of it's called the senolytic. And seno, again, senex means to grow old and lysis means to destroy. And so senolytics are really anything that helps the body eliminate these senescent cells over time. Yeah, I mean, we're as I mentioned, we're we're obsessed with it as as far as uh, Young Goose goes, the the skincare company that that we have. Whether it is releasing a senolytic serum a couple years ago, publishing a study around it, whether it is really investing a lot of our R and D into finding more diverse and better ways to address that. And I love your point about functionality, because at the end of the day, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about the skin for a second. If we did do anything that would require our skin to regenerate itself, because that's what happens when we grow old. Unfortunately, you know, a wrinkle doesn't have a mechanism which alerts the body that it needs to be repaired. You know, if we have a wrinkle, there's no no inflammation around it. There's nothing that, you know, unless, you know, the the only mechanism is we're looking at the mirror, and we get upset. You know, that's the mechanism. And there's nothing <laughs> that communicates to the body that that this should be treated. So the issue of um, functionality of the tissue is a big is a big issue. If we do, you know, micro needling, if we do um, any kind of cosmetic procedure, whether it's a laser or it's plastic surgery, whatever that is, the artist, in that case, the the doctor, is reliant on the canvas. To perform, if you would, which is the skin, and the more functional functional the tissue is, the better the results are going to be. Period. Whether it's our products, whether it's a professional, whatever that may be. And to this point, there is nothing better than 
a whole body senolytic process that you're going through. So yeah, what, so that's 2015, right? Uh, yep. The satinib and quercetin. Yeah, walk us through it. What happened since then or what did they discover within that, those uh, parameters of, of this um, course of action? Yeah, I, I mean, I could take that conversation so many different directions. Um, I will say that they have begun to, one by one, identify new compounds that mm. are senolytic in action, which is, which is fantastic. You know, there was a study in 2018 where they looked at, I think it was 10 different polyphenols, mm-hmm. um, including like EGCG, resveratrol, some common ones that we know and love. But they found that fisetin was the most potent senolytic. And so because of that study, they have now used fisetin in a number of studies. And, and there's a number of clinicals that are coming down the line that are, that are using fisetin as well, because we know that it, it's very effective and very powerful in its senolytic effects. So that's number one. So it's really interesting when you get into these new novel compounds. The second thing that that has, um, I think, uh, arisen from the research over the last couple of years is that we've been able to tease, really tease out how senescent cells survive. And as effect of that, we know how we can undercut that effect to, to, in short, get rid of these cells from the body. And so just in short, these, these senescent cells have really interesting pro-survival proteins. They upregulate these proteins, which in, in effect really shields them from apoptosis. So the body then doesn't get rid of them and they don't naturally prune away as it were. And so we know how we can get in there, disrupt those inf- uh, pro-survival proteins, and then allow it to get back on course to its natural uh, falling off process, which is that apoptosis, that kind of dying off process. And so we can, I, we can go and we can study those various mechanisms and we can figure out how these compounds get in there and disrupt that flow so that the cell then can just leave the body. Interesting. That's, that's great. So you mentioned those compounds. We don't use fisetin specifically because it is, and I want to get to it actually, that's something that isn't necessarily something you would use on a rate on everyday basis since skincare needs to also make make sense within your schedule we do use compounds that are much easier to be used on a regular basis on a daily basis yes but how about we jump forward kind of you know the conclusion is you know qualia comes out with basically a, a product that you take for two days a month so walk us through why would a product be taken two days a month What's the protocol of addressing those senescent cells, et cetera? Yeah, so this it, it seems fantastical to say this product, you only need to take it two times per month and it works. But that's what the research has shown. There's a process called intermittent dosing, which means basically you do this very short protocol and then you give the body a rest and you let the effects kind of do their magic over time. And, and that's how senolytics work best. So senolytics are not meant to be used every single day. And the studies have shown that continuous dosing of these senolytic compounds is just not as effective as doing that kind of hit and run approach where you do one or two heavy days of senolytic compounds and then you take a break. And so that's really how uh, the great majority of senolytic studies are designed presently. And I think that will be the case moving forward. It does decrease the, the potential for side effects, which is great. But these compounds really hone in and they're very selective 
to senolytic cells in the body. So they're not affecting normal healthy cells because they're going in, they're disrupting this abnormal upregulated protein that these senescent cells express. So they do target senescent cells only. And you don't get a, a die off as it were. When you do like a detox protocol, people often feel lousy for several days because they're accumulating these metabolic byproducts that the body then has to get rid of. This is not like that at all. It, it's much more benign. And I, I've been taking this protocol now for the last six months since we launched this product. And for me, it's, it's not felt in any adverse way. It's felt physiologically, and I feel the benefits, mm-hmm. especially in my joints, but it's not something that people feel lousy when they take. So that the intermittent dosing is a critical factor really to any senolytic regimen. And so that's no different to the, the qualia senolytic product. Mm-hmm. First of all, very interesting. So number one, I would say that most of the time since the makeup of a joint requires the same building blocks most a lot of the times as our skin, whether it is hyaluronic acid, whether it is collagen, a few other connective tissues, uh, hydration, for example. So most of the time we can infer that whatever is healthy for our joints is then then going to be expressed in the skin as well. So so that's good news when you're saying, oh, you know, I can feel it in, in my joints and I can attest to that as well. The second thing is, okay, so, you know, we can definitely accept the relationship between, if you would, stimulation and reaction in the body. I mean, if we really want to create optimal results in most things, it's almost as important the space you allow the body to then perform the tasks that you triggered rather than triggering and triggering and triggering. Obviously, the easiest example is if you went to the gym and, you know, worked out in the same way every day you would be burning, you're, you're going to be burning out and you're not going to let your body recover. Or if you want to talk about, you know, sleep, if you worked all the time, didn't, let, didn't uh, uh, give your body time to recover and sleep, that's not going to create great benefits. So definitely that is a, again, two days out of the month is, is really unique and, and, and special and, and great. But the other, let's say 28 days that we're asking the body to then perform the tasks are as important you know, and within those parameters, what are some of the things that we can do in order to perfect those days, the uh, the off days, if you would? What are some of the things that you recommend to do or to avoid? Yeah, I, I think if you want to support the process of uh, senescence and you really want to counter that in the best way, it, it really gets down to some of the life uh, lifestyle recommendations that you mentioned. Sleep is absolutely critical. I will throw in there immune support, making sure that you're not overworking your immune system to make sure that your immune system is able to go and survey the body and find these senescent cells that are there and then help the body get rid of them. And so we do know there's a process called immunosenescence, which immune cells, just like every other cell in the body, become senescent over time. And so generally, again, after the age of 40 or so, people tend to have diminished function of their immune cells because they become senescent and and they become zombie cells as it were. And so senolytics can help really change that picture, but it is important to make sure that you're, you're, you're creating a really strong, robust immune system from the ground up. And so um, there's a lot of things you can do on that front. Of course, I, I look first at the gut, the microbiome and make sure that we're optimizing that. And of course, there's a huge relationship to the gut and the skin 
which is going to be a whole nother field that's emerging in the next, you know, two or three years, no doubt. But, but so taking care of your immune system is critically important. I would also say that uh, you can help prime these senescent cells by eating less food. So a calorie restriction diet, a low calorie diet, those things can be super helpful just to help really prime these senescent cells for elimination from the body. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic point, and that is through that buzzworthy uh, pathway mTOR, right? That's kind of our litmus test, if you would, for if if something would would support senolytic compounds or effects, right? What how what state is our mTOR pathway? How is it be behaving? So, could you talk a little bit about that pathway and and what's the connection between th- that pathway and Longevity in general, yeah, but but senescent cells specifically. Yeah, I mean mTOR is interesting. I, I my verdict is still out on mTOR. I, I think there's a lot of varying uh, opinions about do you want it high, do you want it low, and for me, it's it's really all about the middle path. I think in everything, I'm I'm not one to like to go to any extreme and push anything very strongly in one direction, and so I like to normalize physiology and then just support the body rather than override. But there are certain things that you can do to optimize. And I think that's the critical piece here when it comes to biohacking, just optimizing everything that you have is critically important first. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you, you did mention biohacking and I, I do think that biohacking really, really is trying to um, take advantage of environments that, that did not exist, you know, millions and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands years ago when we were evolving as a as, as a human being, and really understanding that we can fluctuate between different environments to get the, the optimal results, and I think you know mTOR is a wonderful example of that, which is this kind of a thermostat of of, of thriving that that we have in the body, and really s- signaling the body that we're sometimes you know thriving, and sometimes we're we're in in some kind of uh, deprived state. Really, that kind of push and pull creates a very healthy human being and, 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 and a very resilient human being, if you would. So I couldn't agree more. So going into that, you know, little vantage point of time or, or calorie restriction and let's say the, the qualia senolytic compound. Okay, let's say we, we were looking at those two things. Would you recommend a specific, uh, or did you see specific fasting protocols being effective? Or are you talking only about really, you know, just lowering or creating like a 10 to 30% calorie deficit? Yeah, great question. You know, I I would say that the fasting, uh, fasting mimicking diet is probably the most buttoned up for this. The recommendations there are very well designed. And so I think that that's a good place to look. And we know that when you fast or when you lower your calorie input, it really supports autophagy. Um, and, and again, that, that term autophagy is widely a part of most biohacking conversation these days. And autophagy is a really interesting process. And in, in short, it's just how cells repair themselves. And so when you support autophagy, you're supporting cell repair so that cells then can get back to their healthy state rather than moving to senescence. Mm -hmm. And so it's critically important to support autophagy through nutrition, through uh, fasting, mimicking diet. So that's where I would look 
first and foremost. With that said, you know, you have to tease out a lot of important details and and personalize it for you. I don't think that there's any one specific protocol that really suits every person. Again, my my background is in Ayurveda mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the individual and I'm looking at body types. And so I know specifically from my body type, which is a vata, a vata body type, I should not skip meals ever. It's it's awful for my physiology. It's awful for my brain. It's awful for my skin. It's it's literally the the antithesis of of health and wellness for my specific body mm-hmm. type. However, there are individuals, a kapha body type, as it were, that can miss meals and that should miss meals in order to be optimally uh, well and healthy. Great. I mean, yeah, for sure. I'd like to take a second and talk to you about ProCare, which is a longevity science-based serum that visibly improves the signs of aging while combating inflammation and balancing oil production. This serum is a result of years of scientific work and clinical research. ProCare is an exclusive, multi-purpose product delivering powerful, proven, age-reversing, and acne-preventing benefits. The only topical product that has been clinically proven to eliminate senescent cells in humans. What does it do? It lessens the appearance of lines and wrinkles. It shields from environmental toxins and free radicals. It lessens progerin, which is the skin's aging protein. It plumps the skin, the appearance of it, and provides genetic hyaluronic acid boost. It lessens blackheads, breakouts, and improves poor appearance, brightens the skin and even skin tone. It helps to calm redness and rosacea, and it also eliminates, as we said, harmful senescent cells. If anyone, I'm just gonna, we both uh, Neurohacker Collective and Young Goose have this uh, amazing friend that, that is called Bob Turia or Quantified Bob, which has a fantastic blog about um, the fasting mimicking diet and some uh, variations that people can introduce into that diet. So I, if anyone wants to do a deep dive on that, I highly recommend it. Obviously, if you just wanted to go in, in Walter Longo's um, website, that actually, I don't know how, how you order the uh, fasting mimicking diet. Every time we bought it, it was in like a conference or something. So they can definitely do that. But yeah, definitely a, a very, very easy tool as far as um, introducing calorie restriction. Yeah, so, so that's, that's a great, uh, great point. How about counterindications or risks? Again, like w- what do we want to look out for if we are looking at introducing senolytic, qualiasenolytic, seno- for example, or any kind of uh, anti-senescent protocol into our life? Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of potential theoretical risks, but none of them are bearing any weight mm-hmm. when you get to the clinical uh, aspect of it. And in part because that intermittent dosing mechanism really more or less prevents a lot of the adverse effects that that may theoretically show up. But really, you want to make sure that you're, I mean, you can use it as a, at a younger age, but I, but I would highly recommend using it if you're over the age of 40, 
Um, and you don't need to do it every single month. You certainly can, but try to do it seasonally mm-hmm. or do it in place of a, a, like a detox. You know, people tend to do like a detox diet for a day or two in the middle of spring. Mm-hmm. That is, is completely advisable as well. So I think if you're using these known senolytic compounds in the right dose and in the right timing, I don't see there's really any contraindications or any um, issues that, that you should notice. Theoretically, anybody that has a pretty serious wound probably would not want to use senolytics for that moment because wounds need those senescent cells as part of the repair and regeneration uh, mechanism. Um, so it's critically important to allow the body then to kind of repair that wound rather than get in there and disrupt the senescent cell load in, in the wound specifically. Mm-hmm. Would that be also because most of those compounds um, lower kind of systemic inflammation as well? And then when we are looking at repair in general, wound repair for that matter, we are we need to rely on those inflammatory signals to then you know, recruit more, you know, whatever that is, more repair attention to, to that area? Yeah, I think that's just exactly it. I mean, when you get into inflammation, you want inflammation. It's critically important for the body. When you undercut that entirely, it creates problems. So again, it's finding that sweet spot. You do need a little bit of inflammation, not too much, not too little, mm-hmm. but that helps stimulate the body to repair itself. So so yes, so senolytics, uh, as it were, can really lower your inflammation load because those senescent cells are, are giving off these inflammatory compounds. And so when you're doing that, you're going to lower your inflammation load as a whole. So there is a potential risk there. Yes. Interesting. It's beautiful. And I, and, um, I do think in the end of the day, the word that I like the most, maybe because I'm uh, male, I love the words uh, resilience. I don't, I don't think we age. I mean, what, what it always reminds me is uh, a research, and I think I say it probably every like fourth podcast, I, I refer to this research, looking at the way that babies and children gain height and they measured them every day and they don't gain any height like for three days and then they're going to have a growth spurt that is defining all, defying all reason. <laughs> they're going to grow like a few centimeters overnight. And I don't, I think we also age, obviously not exactly like that. Our body doesn't decide to age overnight, but we age in spurts as well. There is either a mental or physical exertion slash, you know, environmental disruption, whatever that is. And um, we age in relation to how resilient we are at that point in time. Obviously, we can also look at, you know, how people reacted to anything from COVID to a flu to anything really, to an injury whatever that is. And most of the time when people ask us as a company, I'm going to tell you a secret. We, as, the, as, a he, as heads of the company, we really need to keep our hand on the pulse of the, mo- the f- most frequently asked questions. So we have sessions where we get those questions from our customer service representatives. We get new questions that are coming up and we give answers to them, which then propagate throughout the system. And most people ask, how, when will I see results? How will those results look like? In other words, how do I know that the product is right for me, wrong for me, whatever that is? And even though we do have very short answers saying, you know, it takes four weeks, it takes six weeks, whatever that is, what I really would like to tell that person, if I could be the, the angel whispering in their ear, is that the best products 
are going to make you resilient for the next time where you need resilience, mm. whether it is in the skin or in the body. Mm. And yeah. that is from all of our conversation. It this is what really strikes me as as the mo- the truest form of of senolytic treatment. It's how do we prepare the body for the next onslaught of fill in the blank? How will our body, how youthful, functionally youthful will the body react to the next challenge? I, I love that. I think you nailed it. And I think that's the essence of what everybody's now aspiring to from mm-hmm. a nutrition or a wellness protocol or whatever it may be. And I, I love that. Yeah. So Nick, Listen, we've we've uh, time flew. Uh, normally, we try to keep it at forty-five minutes to have it digestible for people. But I think this conversation is is a very good introductory conversation, and I do think that this is a an experience that everyone should be experiencing on their own. And as we said over time, and I highly recommend. Again, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, uh, the reason you are here, aside from the fact that you're an expert in a field that we're highly interested in, is because the product itself, Qualia Senolytic, is a product that we take and are thoroughly impressed by. We, we love Qualia as a whole. So please just let people know a few things. Where can they, obviously everything's going to be in the show notes, but where can they both learn more from you? And also where can they learn more about uh, Qualia, what they offer, etc.? Yeah, I mean, Neurohacker Collective is uh, a very science-first brand. Um, We do a lot of writing, a lot of blogs. um, We do a lot of podcasts. Um, We love putting information out there. And so we populate our website, which is Mm neurohacker.com, with um, a boatload of articles and information, um, a lot has been written already on uh, senescence and senolytic. Um, We have articles... Um, that discuss in great depth how uh, senescence relates to skin health and how senolytics can potentially benefit skin health, which we didn't do a deep dive in that area, but the the implications there are enormous. Um, And we do build up senescent cells in the skin. And so they're intimately involved with the function as well as the appearance of skin. And so there's a lot of really important implications there as well. So um, neurohacker.com is is really the best place to learn more about our products, to learn more about cutting edge science. You can also give us a follow on social media. Um, We are at all the major um, social media outlets. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned it. We didn't really I feel that this is such a wide conversation and people can benefit through from from really understanding senescence as a whole and seeing the results in their skin. And that is, we, we really try to cover all the bases today. But I would say that, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a, a series of uh, researches that were published in uh, Portugal, I believe, about how uh, senescence in the skin can, through the uh, skin-brain access, actually affect brain function, uh, brain inflammation, etc. Uh, so, you know, definitely senescent load can affect how we look like, but the skin is also a driver of overall aging and really keeping our skin truly youthful, not only the appearance of youth, but truly youthful, will benefit our body as a whole and vice versa, obviously. So, I, I super am super thankful for your presence today. It was uh, such a f- fun talk. I mean, this is exactly what this podcast is about. So I, I, I truly appreciate your time and I thank you. 
Yeah, appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. It was really fun. Great topic. Love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Before we end today's episode, I'm going to take some time to answer some listener questions. If you would like your question to be answered on the podcast, you can ask your question in a review on Apple Podcasts, and we will be sure to answer it in our next episode or an episode that is uh, appropriate for the question. So actually, that's what we're doing now. We're answering a question that we got that relates to uh, senescent cells. So a customer uh, reached out and asked us what products contain within them within them senolytic compounds. And the answer is, is that uh, we have two products that are specifically containing senolytic compounds. One is our ProCare, which is a senolytic serum. That's what it's meant to do first and foremost. And the second one is Care, our moisturizer, since it has as uh, Nick mentioned on the podcast, it does have a few polyphenols that are very effective at clearing senescent cells over time, if you use them over time, and another senomorphic compound that is called astragaloside 4. This is also supporting telomere length, etc., uh, which Nick did mention in the podcast today. Aside from that, Another polyphenol that you can use in order to manage senescence, and Nick did mention it, is EGCG, and that is in our green tea phytoserum, especially if we use it together with red light therapy. So make sure you give these products a, a try, and over time, they would really contribute to the way that your skin looks and functions. Another question that we had that relates to that, uh, to this discussion, is what is the difference between care and pro-care? So actually, these products are named similarly because they, we would like people to use them together rather than one replacing the other. So you can think of ProCare as you know, a specific trigger for your body to, or for your skin to eliminate senescent cells and support for that. And Care as a kitchen sink approach to skin longevity. So it would have all the molecules like NAD precursors, resveratrol that is, you know, patented form that's very bioavailable and 10 other supporting ingredients, peptides, specific type of vitamin C, etc., that really support the way that your skin functions and have it function like a more youthful skin. So first we use ProCare, then we use Care. We can mix and match them with other products. There's no problem there. Normally, if you want a little trick, understanding what product you should put before another, or going thin to thick. So whatever is thinner absorbs faster, we're applying first. Whatever is thicker, absorbing more slowly, we apply afterwards. The third question is, when should I see results from Yangu's products? So actually, we did talk about it on the podcast towards the end, but normally our products are designed that you will see improvement in your skin within four to six weeks, maybe eight weeks. But really what I would like to take a second uh, answering this question is uh, to have you understand is that the real results are how you look in, you know, five years, how you look in 10 years. Using our products on a, on a you know, daily basis for a long period of time, that is where the real magic happens. Having your skin function like a younger skin has extremely long-term benefits and effects. So commit to a, a system that you can, you know, follow for, for a long period of time. You can follow us on social media, follow us, uh, you know, subscribe to our newsletter, and we provide ways to improve that system over time. So make sure you do that. 
Thank you everyone for listening to today's episode. Make sure you check us out on social media, Young Goose Skincare. Go to our website, uh, younggoose.com. Reach out, ask us any question you would like. We would love to answer. Much love to everyone. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you.